0: is everybody new in today? Welcome to This Week in Liberal Pods. I am as always your host, Nikki P. Let's uh let's get things out of the way. I know it's been a while, but hey, how many of you have four podcasts of your own that you do? Not including the one about other people's podcasts. I'm not a bad guy, I'm just, I'm just a busy guy. So, anyways, this week we've got some fun stuff coming out for you. We've got five podcasts from the libertarian world. That you all should be listening to And we're going to cover some serious ground today folks Because I actually listen to some stuff I really normally wouldn't listen to Got some good Christian podcasts yeah, And some of them are actually more interesting than I thought they'd be I uh, I left that Catholic world way in the back So I didn't think they'd be able to hook me But they found some good stuff So let's start out with our first clip here And this is Mr. Mike Meharry In his opening monologue from his episode this week, from his podcast, Godarchy.
1: I did watch some of the Women's World Cup, and... There was one thing that just really annoyed me about the whole thing. Well, two things. The nationalism inherent in international sports. Yeah, that as a libertarian, as a a voluntarist, as somebody who rejects the legitimacy of the state, I suppose that uh, I should also be offended by the nationalism inherent in things like USA soccer. But, you know, Rothbard said we're all allowed one deviation. And so that's my deviation. I cheer for USA hockey and USA soccer and whatnot. yeah, it is what it is. Um, but the thing that really annoyed me about it is it it seemed like from the very beginning, the whole soccer tournament was politicized. You know, we had the political controversy about whether or not uh, the women's team was being unfair by running up the score against poor Thailand. And then we had uh, another brew ha ha because one of the American players kneeled for the national song. And of course the left and the right, uh, you know, they have to divide up and fight over the appropriateness of this and you know, I really couldn't give two wits if somebody kneels for the national song or disrespects the uh, the battle banner that flies over uh, the country. So, but that, that was another political issue. And then after the tournament was over, the women won and we have a big political brouhaha that's still going on about equal pay for women's sports. And it, I don't know, you know. These are all issues that we can discuss, but it frustrates me that we've gotten to the point where every damn thing in the world is politicized. I mean, they've managed to politicize chicken sandwiches. And quite frankly, I would like to just eat a chicken sandwich and enjoy it and not to have it have to be Political ramifications about where I get my chicken sandwich, or you know, enjoy a sports uh, uh, competition without having to endure Department of Defense propaganda before the game and endless arguments over players kneeling. Uh, it just drives me crazy, and that's the nature of politics. Politics is inherently divisive it is war without deadly weapons and ultimately politics is about one group of people gaining control over another group of people who wants to live that way you know it's it's a horrible way to interact with one another it's it's contentious it is ugly and it makes people hate each other for most of the time not any really good reason and yet we are getting more and more politicized instead of less and less. And, and you know, like I said, we politicized everything. We politicize where we shop, we politicize our music, we politicize our sports. Everything is political. And let's be honest, political solutions suck because whenever there's a political solution, and I'm using air quotes around the word solution, whenever there are political solutions, half of the people are not gonna be happy with them. Beyond that, government solutions are inherently inefficient and basically they suck. Government solutions suck. They're rooted in violence, force, and coercion. They're funded through the extortion and or theft of money from other people. It's a horrible way to interact with each other. We want to live in a society that reflects the golden rule. Love your neighbor. Well, taking things from your neighbor is not loving your neighbor. Uh, Forcing your neighbor to support the charity of your choice is not loving your neighbor. Doing good things but using violence to accomplish them is not loving your neighbor. Loving your neighbor involves voluntary interactions with each other. It involves true charity that comes from the heart and out of a desire. And Beyond that, you know, getting even beyond the realm of the philosophical into the realm of the practical, government solutions are centralized and generally inefficient. Local solutions work much better because they involve people that are in the local community that actually know what's going on. And we see this over and over again. We've seen a total failure in national or federal welfare. Um,
0: And as always, Mr. Meharry just killing it. Because that's what he does. He also has a fantastic email. If you're one of those people that likes to subcri- subscribe to emails, I recommend checking his out. He has a, a good take once a week. I think it's a Thoughts from My Hairy Head. Maybe that's what it is. There's another podcast of his. He does a lot of work, too. I can't remember everything. So, anyways, from there, let's shoot over to our second clip. This is going to be from The Agora with Sal Mayweather. This is actually him talking pretty detailedly with a man trying to sell him on a new crypto. Now, I don't know if you're a crypto genius. I'm not. This stuff all sounds like wizardry to me. But it was actually pretty interesting. It may have gotten into snake oil territory even. But then again, I don't know what they're talking about. So without further ado, this is... A clip from The Agora with Sal Mayweather. Let's check it out.
2: We're excited about our privacy. There's no doubt about it. Uh, the anonymity is beyond, you know, it's, it's off the charts. Um, we are going to have our decentralized exchange. Um, we're going to have all of the other D apps, uh, smart contracts, uh, atomic swaps, etc. And privacy matters to a lot of people in those areas. And so our privacy features are off the charts. And once again, we put those features in control of the user
3: with the ability to turn them on and off as they choose, which is uh, pretty cool. I really believe that chains that utilize privacy features are going to win the day in the future. You look at India putting forth this crazy cryptocurrency ban and uh, FAFTA and China and all these different governments clamping down. I really think that the the ones who utilize privacy features are going to be the ones that we end up remembering.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, the decentralized revolution is about Having that privacy, it's about the freedom that we have been uh, having less of through a centralized system that people really want to have more control of their assets and funds and transactions. And so privacy definitely is at the core of the cryptocurrency revolution. And Apollo is leading the way and making sure that all of those things are possible with all of its decentralized platform.
3: You know, a lot of chains utilize different privacy features, but you guys actually have all of them, literally all of them.
2: It's an unbelievable project. I mean, uh, sometimes when I go to conventions or speak with people about Apollo, you get a steely eye saying, wait, is this really true? Is this really possible? And one of the cool things, and we love this because we've put it out there. We've got uh, incredible academic blockchain experts and code experts. We challenge them to look, scrutinize, and take a really hard, verifiable look at our code. And it's all there. It's all verifiable. Things are live. Things are happening. Um, We do have an exceptional platform, and we're excited about getting the word out and letting people know about it. Apollo has an incredible scalability and sustainability, and the speed and all the other things are just icings on that cake. Um, as you well know, sharding for a long time was, was a theory. We've managed to put these codes together in order to provide this kind of feature. And, uh, we'll be sharding very, very soon. Our first block, we're very excited about that. The word is out. People are anticipating it. And, uh, we're looking forward to the extra efficiency and sustainability that sharding will add to the, to the blockchain block problem and, you know, uh, time issues that a lot of, uh, blockchains have to experience without that extra feature. So sharding is huge for us and, makes this platform very attractive. And we hope that folks that are listening to this podcast would at least go and take a look and see for themselves uh, what Apollo is really all about. Tell
3: me about the DEX that's going on with Apollo.
2: Well, the decentralized exchange will be integrated here with a new vault wallet and the new 3.0 wallet that's just been released. It's going to allow people to directly trade within the Apollo platform without any need for third-party exchanges, which is incredible freedom. Huge. It will allow for the pairs of packs and other uh, as a stable coin, as well as others that will be added to it. Um, So it's exciting because now you've got, without having to move your Apollo anywhere else, can immediately acquire, trade, sell Apollo within the platform, completely decentralized. Um, It provides the security that people require and need from Third-party maintenances, third-party hacks. Um, I mean, those things alone just make that decentralized exchange within this platform incredibly attractive, and uh, that's exciting for sure. I mean, you know, think about that. You put your Apollo in your in your wallet, and you want to trade it right there on the spot. You can't. So it's a it's a huge step towards not only the mission of Privacy Coin, but also just the security and sustainability of of any you know cryptocurrency asset. And as a currency. You know, we're also providing the opportunity within our platform for, like you said, the tokenization, You can, there's asset systems, there's, you know, we have the chain ID. I mean, we're going to be serving a number of purposes for anyone who has any idea or a project that they want within our platform. So uh, really good stuff and exciting.
3: And- Think about the, the effect on um, economic freedom this is going to have. Think about the global effect we'll have on the global economy, yeah. when all of a sudden the world markets are opened up to billions of people who never had access before because, you know, they had to go through the traditional legacy financial systems or institutions.
2: That's right. That's right. Well, one of our mass adoption campaigns, as you've heard about
0: our ADF. Told you. I warned you. Told you it was going to be great. And then what was it? It was great. It was more interesting than you thought it would be. So, from there, I want to take a quick little meander, a little jaunt, a little jump, over to yet another libertarian anarchist Christian podcast. We're going to head over to Anarcho-Christian. This was a, this was a real interesting one, uh, mostly because he's talking about Donald Trump and whether you love the guy or hate him, he is incredibly interesting. So this particular one, it's getting into the whole Trump derangement syndrome or the other thing. The Trump Messiah Syndrome? What's that? You haven't heard of it? Well, let our host tell you all about it.
4: So, the left says it's just a derogatory term from the right to shut down criticism for Trump. And the right says it's the source of the left's criticism. Even though Trump Derangement Syndrome is a bit of a hyperbolic term, I think there is some truth to it. Like Kaliza said, it's a function of the increased partisan polarization in American politics. And that's just true. Unfortunately, there is another trend on the right that is actually more frightening. I'm not aware of an official name for it, but I'm going to refer to it on this episode as Trump Messiah Syndrome. And I think you're going to recognize it as we dive into this episode. If you can come up with a more clever name, let me know in the comments. What I'm referring to as Trump Messiah syndrome is this habit in the church of relating Trump to biblical figures and more specifically what we call the Messiah types within certain books. Exhibit A Franklin Graham on Trump, Abraham, Moses, and David. There really isn't a bigger voice that was lent to Trump's campaign than Franklin Graham's. He is the son of Billy Graham and the president of the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association. During Trump's campaign, he had several high-profile meetings with evangelical leaders. A transcript released from one notable meeting is very telling of the way evangelicals were led to look at Trump as a messiah. Here's an excerpt from Franklin Graham's remarks. He starts out referring to the prayer rallies that were held at the Capitol prior to that particular meeting and the thousands that showed up, quote, know our country is in trouble, end quote. He went on to say, and ladies and gentlemen, I don't need to convince you of that. You know that. And as we look at who is to be the next president of the United States, many people are looking at qualities. And I'd like to just take a minute to look at the Bible. Some of the individuals are our patriarchs. Abraham, great man of faith, but he lied. Moses, led his people out of bondage, but he disobeyed God. David committed adultery, and then he committed murder. So Franklin Graham went on to mention the apostles for denying Christ and running in fear, and even himself for not being perfect. So what may sound on its surface like a humble appeal to sin and humanity is what I saw as a dangerous start to the Trump-Messiah syndrome. After this meeting, numerous Christian publications ran headlines, supportive, not critically, with the essential message, Franklin Graham encourages evangelicals to think of Trump as Moses or David. During the campaigns, I had numerous conversations with evangelicals that even though they did not read this transcript, they saw the headlines and they spoke of this ideal, constantly relating everything to these biblical figures. So what's the big deal to think of Trump as Abraham, Moses, or David? In short, it's because they did represent something else. Not only is it much bigger than Trump but his name doesn't belong anywhere near it. Something I hope I'll thoroughly explain here.
0: Now, Now, I'm Catholic, so he was giving out numbers and stuff like that, and that's just not how we do it. Like, we go to church on Sundays, Christmas, Easter, maybe just Christmas and Easter, not even on the Sundays, because church is early. But uh, he sounds like he knows what he's talking about, and it seems odd that people said that shit about what is quite possibly the most awful man on the planet. I won't say the most evil. That's a tall order. But awful. I feel like that might be okay. Anyways, moving along. This next clip, I I couldn't even decide hardly what to take out of this uh, particular episode because it is absolutely just straight fire from beginning to end. This is a clip from Biting the Bullet podcast, which is a bunch of... uh, bunch of old war boys talking about war shit. Uh, This particular episode actually focused around soldier suicide. And it got pretty real, pretty intense. But there was a lot of gold in there. And a lot of people wearing their hearts on their sleeves in ways that really, really makes you feel something for these guys. And, you know, not anything for the government. They're not fond of it either, believe it or not. Something about... All that bureaucracy seems to turn people off, I guess. But without further ado, enjoy this clip from the Biting the Bullet podcast.
5: The military does to you through, through your indoctrination process. And then, obviously, further on, if you deploy or not fucking deploy, because if you if you do deploy, then you have to face the horrors of war. You have a and whole, you, new,
6: whole new set of experiences yes. that you have to
5: deal with by yourself. Yep. And if you don't fucking deploy, then you have to deal with four years of government bureaucracy, and you did nothing. And watching yeah. your friends go up. Yes. And yes. you constantly, yes, you constantly watch your friends go back to war. You constantly make friends that went to war and later kill themselves. You fucking, you, <laughs> you experience, It it doesn't get shut off from you. You experience all that heavy shit no matter what. And at the end of the day, you then have to leave that fucking military because it's either I have to become fucking retarded and deal with it and get through it or I'm going to go and try to make something of myself. So you get out of the fucking military and most of you stupid fucks immediately go back home, live with your fucking parents, and then you're sitting around all these fucking fucking retards you went to school with and most of them are because most of the people that actually stayed fucking home too they're all retards yeah they're fucking working at the fucking farm down the road because most of the people that because you know big fucking attention here most of the people that join the military come from low low income and lower middle class income fucking areas so you know they go back to those same lower income or lower middle class areas and guess what all the people in those low income lower middle class areas they're doing dumb shit
6: and, so, you to, and you have to sit there and go from in your head thinking that you were this noble person going off to serve in a war that either you agree with or don't agree with, whatever. You have that mindset at some point that you were, like, at the beginning of the military, you're like, what I'm doing is noble. Yeah. What I'm doing is good. It's You're it's a hard. warrior. Yeah. And you're and then, a fucking, you're told,
7: you're, you're a, a fucking warrior. Yeah. And I yeah. think that's why, I think that's why veterans hate, thank you for your service. Yes. Because... To, to you, there's no meaning to that service. No. That service is nothing to you. you like, especially, at least for me, that didn't people, Some people, some people like, are like, yeah, man, you're me, fucking welcome. Yeah, me, but... Like, maybe maybe I had a false idea that deploying would give me meaning in the military, yes. but I never had meaning. I, I joined to do something. I never did anything. So people thank me for my service and like, why are you thanking me? I'm a tax feeder. Yeah. You paid that- me for five years to Dude. sit on my ass, pick up some bullshit rank that means nothing to anybody in the outside world, and earn... earn, earn learn this stupid class that means nothing to anybody in the outside world just to go to school and people would thank me for my service or look at me different and think that I'm like a baby killer and I have no combat experience I have nothing I, I, and that's the thing and that's the thing too is is that I
5: did achieve that fucking thing you know that, that every person almost every person in the fucking Marine Corps wants is that deployment to get that that status try to feel that satisfaction of achieving something and I feel the same fucking way you do now yeah, yeah. and then you get I yeah, like I get back you know what was even better is I got back and then three weeks later the barracks and everywhere I patrolled everything completely taken over like everything I did was fucking useless yeah everything
6: Well, so then you, you go in and you have this noble idea that what you're doing and you get out and you're like not, nothing that I did was
5: noble I wasted four yeah, years
7: of my I life wasted. I wasted
5: the prime of my youth yeah
7: and even like even people that joined because like I mean at least when you're in and even like maybe us because we started to come to the realization that it was all bullshit but then people sort of rationalize that you're there for the people to the left and right and you're there for the guys that you're training yeah and, then and you it's realize basically that, it so then you realize that you left you didn't really do a lot and the war that is going on the entire time while you were in the military is still going on and there's no victory and there's all those no, fucking kids are yeah. home and, and all, all those fucking kids you kids
5: trained down. they're all going to war now Yeah. all those fucking kids you trained up all those fucking 18 19-year-olds you took under your wing as an NCO they're all doing the same dumb shit that you fucking did
6: my favorite fucking part right now the only one of the only things that's like really makes me feel good is basically all my boots and all the people that were FOs like under you guys. Yeah, but we boots when you were leaving Jared yeah. and all that they're all out. Oh, yeah, they're, they're all, all getting fucking out. out because because I, I like
5: I was I was very vocal. Oh, me too at the end of my enlistment. I was like this is fucking gay Everything Dude, about this my, is fucking my gay. last
6: month in my last month in the Marine Corps. I got threatened with legal hold because I because of nothing because I was five minutes because early, the gunny hated you Yeah, because I was five minutes early to a formation that I was told I was five minutes late to and then I had to march to and from work About a half a mile, and marching in 29 palms in the middle of July is pretty fucking hell. And then we were late all the time to formations... Like, our battalion formations. Because you we were fucking marching. Because we were marching. And it was just like, I have a fucking car. Everybody else has a fucking car. They're doing this. It's just bullshit. And it's constant bullshit. And it's just like that all Dude. the fucking time.
7: You guys, I mean, it probably happened to you, Jerry, but I know it happened to us. You remember those fucking briefs they give us about, like, trying to, like, basically a spirit of core? And they try to remind you, like, why you joined the Marine Corps? Yes! Yeah. Seriously, they, they,
0: they, folks, I, I tweeted it out earlier. If you're not listening to the Biting the Bullet podcast, you're fucking up your life. I'm just saying it. I know the language was a little harsh. My own language is a little harsh. But, man, those guys get into some interesting conversations. So, last up for today's episode, we have... The Erase the State podcast. This one had a lot of fun. They get talking about cops, and... Which, that makes me feel angry. Usually when I'm angry about cops, I just call my little brother up because... He's a cop and then I yell at him a bunch and say, blah, 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 Why blah, 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 blah. Anyways, let's, uh, let's see what these guys have to say about the boys in blue.
8: Really like you. I don't have that creamy voice. Oh yes. The smokies, Smooky? the silky smooth sounds of the, the pleasing baritone. Um, so yeah, so a customer walks up to a manager, or an employee, and says, "Hey, I'm I'm uncomfortable. There's like a whole bunch of fucking cops over here. I'd like them to leave." Okay, so then mm. said Starbucks employee walks over to the cops and says, "Hey, you guys need to get the fuck out of here," and they do. I guess this is like in Tempe, Arizona or whatever, right? So it turns into this whole fucking ordeal, and now of course, like you know, conservative Twitter and some folks that I'm still friends with, I guess, or like we follow each other. Um, you know, like we're all friends, whatever. They're just but they think differently than I do. So um, yeah, like I, I've seen like a local business owner a successful local business owner but you know pointedly post about oh well if, you know as a, as a responsible business owner i think it's my job to make sure that the that law enforcement is welcome in our stores and blah 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 i'm like okay well whatever that, that's fine that, that's your place i don't give a fuck whatever so feel however you want about the police right but the same folks from conservative twitter who would lambast people for saying that the christian cake baker should bake the fucking cake for the gay couple because that's his business. He can do whatever the fuck he wants. Those same people are the ones who are saying, "No, we got to make sure the cops feel safe, and we shouldn't kick the cops out." Right? Like, well, fuck you. It's that. that it's a private business. Go fuck yourself. It's the same argument, but they don't see that, right? It's <sighs> completely illogical. Runs so,
9: oh, hypocrisy runs so deep on both sides, and we are right? blinded. We are blinded with officers. You are right. Yeah, but
8: but again, that's that's like I mean, you know, it, it could have been clowns, whatever the fuck, right? Like, it, well, they kind of are clowns, but. Uh-huh. Um, it, it shouldn't matter that it's a cop. <laughs> sorry, delayed laugh. It shouldn't. It shouldn't matter that it's a cop. It doesn't matter, right? It's. It's. I'm just trying to apply the same logic to the argument, right? Just take take being a cop out of it, right? Say it's a bunch of lawyers that are in there, right? And some somebody goes up and goes, "Man, I was fucked over by some lawyers one time, and I'm uncomfortable right now. Like, I, I wish those slimy bastards would get fuck out of here. You got to kick them out." And they go, "Okay, hey I man, you got You're making my customer feel uncomfortable. You got to get out. Thanks for coming, but sorry, not today." And you know, it's the same logic. It, it's a private business. They're gonna get the fuck out.
9: You know, and I I agree. If they want him out, they want him out. And I think probably the guy who said and I don't know, man. Maybe the guy was being a douchebag and saying, Oh, it make me uncomfortable, just maybe crazy, but maybe he honestly was. And yeah, someone who is, who like you know we, from our episode two is just has deep relationships with multiple officers and you yeah. know, grew up being a raw rah, support the police guy. But sure. obviously, you know, my eyes I realize they're they're not perfect at all. There's tons of misuse right now. Your especially eyes have since been it open, seems like Mikey.
8: My what? Your eyes have been opened. Oh, I know.
9: But I lost my train of thought. But it was funny because the other day I was hanging out. It's funny when I hang out with these officers and meet with them. They're in uniform. I don't feel like, like you said, it's funny because I don't feel threatened. I'm happy, it's fun, but I'm in, the, I'm in the group, right? Yeah. But then I do notice how I can be out somewhere and be at a bar, right? I mean, I can't remember. Not too long ago, I was at a bar. Where was I? Oh, in Midland. I was, when I was out there a few weeks ago for work and... A few officers walked in right by the front door, and I was sitting by the front door with uh, some customers and some associates from work, and you know, smile, wave to them, and they just all three of them just mean mugged me, and I mean the most angriest faces. I was, I was like, oh shit, you know, I've had a few beers, but I always Uber everywhere anyway. Yeah. I don't get belligerent when I go to bars, cause I'm always scared of drunks trying to fight. But right, even right then, there, I'm like, oh, these guys are kind of making me uncomfortable. Because then they were just staring at us. Right. I'm like, okay, why are they staring at us? And also, why do they look so damn angry? But then the other side of me goes, okay, well, I know why they're angry. They had a horrible day. They were having to deal with all these damn drunks in here, They were pissed off. They don't want to look friendly. They don't want to deal with people. But then at the same time, it, I understand that, but then you're giving off that vibe where, okay, why are they look? Why do they look so pissed off? Is it because of me? Because if an officer's looking at you angrily, disgruntled, pissed off, you you think it's because something you're doing is wrong, right? And then of course yeah, you're going to uncomfortable. It makes you uneasy, and it's not enjoyable. You're not enjoying your beer anymore if a cop is mean
8: mugging yeah. you from across well, the bar. And then if so, if the cop is that angry by having to be in there, right, and deal with people, then what the fuck is he even doing in there, other than trying to elicit that exact reaction from you, right, to make something pop off that he has a reason to come confront you, right? That, that's the in my mind, that's the only reason that they would be looking like that. And if it's, if it's that big of a deal for you to be in there, if you're not responding to a call, um, you don't suspect anything weird's going on. Like what the fuck are you even doing? Why, why even go in, stay in your fucking car. You know what I mean? God, if, if, just, if it's going to be that big of a deal and, and then start making you uncomfortable because then you get scared. Right. And what's the first reaction, right? Cause the rest of Twitter blew up. And-
0: All right, folks, thank you so much for hanging out with me this week. Hopefully you liked our five segments. Hopefully you got five new favorite podcasts to go and listen to. As always, head over to liverpods.com, sign up on the mailing list so you can find out about all these podcasts, find out interesting facts about the podcasters perhaps, maybe I'll just, you know, spam you about porn, trees, nature, tree porn, is that something we can do? Is that something that's up your alley? I probably won't do that on second thought, that's probably a bad idea, but... If you want to know all about Libertarian Podcasts, I'd sign up over there because pretty soon Facebook's not going to let us talk about this stuff anymore. It's going to make finding out out new stuff pretty difficult. And you know what? I'd like to do that difficult work of finding new Libertarian Podcasts for you. If you're a Libertarian podcaster or know someone who is, please get them in touch with me because I'm always looking to shout out and show the wealth that we have within the libertarian podcasting world to others so take it easy folks have a good weekend and i will be back next weekend i promise i know i've been shitty about staying and doing this but it's too important i gotta do it i gotta i gotta force myself so peace